Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Brisbane podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planning and leading thriving local churches. We pray that this message is a blessing. Which has been great. Let me tell you about the other part of my week. It's been hard. I've cried. I've doubted. I've had these moments where I've been like, God, where are you? And I say that because what I want to do is to take our church, New Life Brisbane, along for the journey to see this, that we are real people trying to till real ground that the enemy currently has. And so the reason I want to go into that is this. I want to open up with this point. Church planting is joining God in the renewal of all things. It's looking, prophetically looking down at something and saying, that which is not yet there already needs to start with us. And the enemy doesn't like that. And so this afternoon, I wanted to start that by just saying, it's been a week. But alongside this, it's been a week of beautiful work and encouragement. And what I want to do tonight, my real goal is this. I want to give us a brief theology of church planting. Briefly open up the word of God and see what is it that God intends we do to make disciples? And where does church planting fit into that? So I want to look at the why of church planting. But the second thing I want to look at is this, the what I want to look at what church planting achieves, what the Great Commission achieves, and what God can do in us as his people who seek to see more people become more like Jesus. Sound good? Awesome. But I want to do this. I want to start with a story. A couple of years ago, I was at my in-laws, my mother-in-law's place, and my mother-in-law is just a big history buff. She loves it. She loves newspapers. She loves looking at trove.com.nla.gov.au, whatever that is, one of those ones. And my mother-in-law, I was sitting down having dinner. Um, she was cooking for my, my kids, which is great, her grandkids. Beautiful thing about having grandparents. They look after your kids and you sit back with your, wine and have a, your wife and have a wine. Not your wine and have a wine. And she was telling me about this guy. This guy is a man by the name of George Biggs. Can you say Biggs? Biggs. Biggs. George Biggs. And I want to kind of briefly show you some, uh, some stuff about George Biggs. I want to tell you a bit about his story. It's this. You ready? George Biggs was born in May 1840 in Hampshire, England. He was the son of Thomas and Sarah Biggs. George grew up in an uneducated family, as was a lot of the people back then. In 1869, George moved over to Australia with his wife, Emma, and their children, and they established themselves at Bunya, a suburb northwest of Brisbane. Around this time, George had met a man on foot, whatever that is. And this man on foot did this. He shared the gospel with George. George is walking, maybe on a donkey or a, or a horse or whatever he was on, whatever his mode of transport was. George gets intercepted by another man. This man shares with him the gospel of Jesus. And George says this. He echoes the words of um, John Wesley and he says, his heart became strangely warmed. George Biggs then became a member of a Pine Rivers Divisional Board, which is basically like a council back in the day. He was a board chairman during the years 1891, blah, blah, blah. He was a prominent member of the Bunya School Community. Also a weird flex, right? It's like he was at Kalanga State School. It's like, who cares? <laughs> he was also a well-known and loved lay preacher with the Methodist Church. God had taken a hold of George Biggs' life that much that he began to be someone of influence, And as God got a hold of his heart, George said, you know what? I want to serve my Lord in this way. I want to become a Methodist preacher. 
Later, George became a much-respected circuit steward, and he became, he became instrumental in the planting and establishing of Methodist churches around Brisbane City and the inner north. A guy called George Biggs. Why do I want to start with this story? I want to start with this story for this reason. Next slide. This is our beloved church, New Life Brisbane. This is one of Pastor Al's favorite photos, and I can see why. It's a beautiful photo. And the point that I want to make is this. At one point in George's life, the gospel of Jesus changed his life. The good news of Jesus made his heart come back to life. And George became a person who said, you know what? I'm going to do something for my generation. I'm going to plant churches. There's plaques all around this church building. Some of them you can't see. These plaques do this. They tell the story of faithful men and women who God had gotten a hold of their heart and through generation to generation, they got excited about the things of God. Like one day, I encourage you, come early, come for 3.15 prayer, and have a look around and read the stories of these people. These people like George Biggs, who meet Jesus, know Jesus, and get their life changed for Jesus. And this is really the reason that we want to talk about mission and church planning. Because here at New Life, one of the ways that we keep centered on the mission of God is by these four Gs, and they're going to be up on the screen as well. Gather, glue, grow, and go. You might hear us say this a lot. Number one, gather. We gather the lost. We seek to be a place that gathers those who don't yet know Jesus, create a container for them to be positioned in front of the Word of God, encounter the presence of God so that they might have their life transformed. Number two, glue into community. That's our goal. We don't just want a Sunday club. We want a place where people glue into community, where they get passionate about God, and where they work with people in relationship, where they meet Jesus and know Jesus. Number three, grow as disciples. Here at New Life, we're passionate about spiritual formation. Again, for us, it's not about warming a pew. It's about us being molded into the likeness of King Jesus. That's our goal. That's our mission. Number four, go on mission. And one of the ways that we go on mission as the people of God is through church planning, is through making disciples is through, like that person who encountered George, carrying the gospel message as jars of clay, that's our treasure. Here at New Life, you won't get much else in a good way apart from the gospel of Jesus. That's what's on our lips, the good news of Jesus Christ. Peyton Jones, one of these kind of church guys, helpful way of putting him, he says this, it's going to be on the screen. He's, this, is, this is sermon number three for me today, and I'm not preach fit anymore, but I'm getting there. He says this, if you plant churches, discipleship may or may not happen. Yet if you devote yourselves to making disciples, churches will inevitably be planted. That's the reason that we want to plant a church, is because we are committed to making disciples. That's the heartbeat of this church. It's the heartbeat of our family of churches, that we would see more people become more like Jesus through planting churches. One of the parts of that as well is that we want to see renewal come in and through the uniting church. We are committed to our denomination. We want to see God do a beautiful work in that. So now I'd like to firstly dive into the biblical foundation, what I believe for church planning. And as we do this, I think we'll discover this, that church planning is not just a strategy, but it's a divine mandate given by God to his people. We make disciples and as we do that, we plant churches. So when my wife Casey and I get sent to New Life Morton from our beloved New Life Brisbane as part of, the new, part of the New Life family, our main goal is to see people become disciples of Jesus and then well up a church from within that. Amen? Our heart is for the lost. 
So number one, first thing, the why of church planning. Number one, helpful reason, it's biblical. It's biblical. I love this. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus has an interaction with Peter where he says this, and I tell you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And there's kind of four things I want to quickly go into, and number one, I. Number two, will build. Number three, my. And number four, church. Who's the I? The I is Jesus. Jesus will build his church. I meet a few people and they're like, Dill, I saw your social media. You're planning a church. And they kind of lean in and go, how do you feel about that, brother? And I'm like, well, I'm a bit stressed. I'm a bit worried. But also, Jesus will build his church. I'm, not, I'm not, like, man, if, if New Life's putting their bets on me, Jesus is building the church. So the I is Jesus. Number two, we'll build. He will do the work. We partner with him, not go before him. The Holy Spirit goes before us. Jesus combines with us. We partner with him so that people would meet Jesus. Number three, my. Whose church is it? Jesus's. It's not my church. It's not a pastor's church. It's not an elder's church. Where people have been freed up to do the work of the ministry in a pastoral sense but it's his church. And number four, what is it? It's a church. We're not a social club. We're a church. We're the people of God, the marked people of his presence who encounter him and fall more in love with him every single day. We're the people who capture a vision of who God is and where he's going and we say, Lord, I'm here for that. You know, when I became a pastor, when I, when I left being a social worker to come back into full-time vocational ministry, I didn't do that because I thought this would be a boring job. I did this because I thought, you know what? There's an adventure that God has for me. This is what it is to plant a church. This is what it is to make disciples. It's an adventure. You know, what's the time? 23 minutes. We're good. Could go on heaps tonight. Two verses before that, Peter says this. He says, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And at this point, Peter qualified himself to be the one who Jesus builds the church on. The apostolic fathers of old would say this, that that's the confession of the church, that Jesus is the Messiah and that Jesus is the son of the living God. That's who he is. And then 2,000 years later, he says, I will build my church. Jesus then, for the next 12 chapters of Matthew, what we read is this, from chapter 16 to 28, Jesus takes a bunch of ragamuffin people who you would not pick for your soccer team on a journey to know him, on a kingdom journey to experience him. And in this, we see things like this, healing, wholeness, <clears throat> salvation, miracles, deliverance, signs, wonders, provision, favor. And the picture I get is kind of this. Jesus is standing there with a paintbrush with many colors, splashing paint, to build us a narrative of what the kingdom lifestyle can be. You want to get excited about your faith in Jesus? Make disciples and commit to that. You will see miracles, signs, wonders, provision, favor, deliverance. That one's a bit weird. Sometimes we see that, not all the time. Thank goodness. You're not laughing. I feel awkward now. <laughs> this is the Great Commission. The Great Commission, therefore, is not just a call to make disciples, but to baptize as well. A growing church is a church that baptizes people because that signifies that people meet Jesus, that they encounter Jesus. 
In Acts 2, we see that 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus. They then begin to gather as the church. By the time we get to Acts 13, we see the church of Antioch sending Paul out and Barnabas to the cities in the Mediterranean region for the purpose of planting an evangelistic work to see more people become more like Jesus. You get why we make that our thing here, right? In Acts 14, 21, Paul and Barnabas went into a particular city. They preached the gospel and they saw people respond. So church planning is not merely about establishing new congregations. It's about this, and you need to hear me on this, leaving a legacy to impact generations that are to come. Amen? Point number two, that's the what, why. That's the why. The what is this. Why do we plant churches? To impact generations. Man, ironically, I'm gonna read you a psalm that you haven't heard for the first time tonight. I love how the Holy Spirit weaves things in. Psalm 145. It's on my notes, Brent, where are you? So I got it first. All right, Psalm 145, but I wanna read this to us, starting from verse three. It says this, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds because I've seen so much of what you've done, Lord. They celebrate your abundant goodness and they joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. I want to go back to that uh, picture that I put up before of of my man, George, my boy, George. (laughs) My man, George. (laughs) And there's a cool thing here. George Biggs is actually my great-great-grandfather, which I only found out two years ago. It blew my mind. And the reason that I wanted to share this illustration is this. From one generation to the next, God commends the work of his hand. There's a testimony that God builds in a person many, many years ago. Now, 200 years post a fact, much of my family doesn't know Jesus, and I'm believing that they will. The point is this, a man encountered the gospel through a nobody, he was a nobody, but they became a somebody who wanted to preach about Jesus in the 1800s. The next slide I want to put up is this, slide number two, please, Glad Tidings Tabernacle, and I said it this morning, I'm going to say it again, this is where I get excited, this is like the the Pentecostal two-step comes out with me, and it's this, Glad Tidings Tabernacle. This church was a church that was planted as a canvas tent ministry in about the 1920s, on the kind of the verge of the Great Depression, by, uh, I get it, it's the third time now, I should get it right, William Clibbeth Booth, or Booth Clibbeth? Clibbon. Clibbeth Booth, the Salvation Army guy. Help me out. Booth, we'll just go Booth, eh? Um, it's not just Booth, but we'll go there. So William Booth's grandson plants this church. He comes over, he sets up a tent meeting. He holds these meetings so that people would encounter God. <clears throat> In the 90s, 20s to the 1940s, revival hits. Now, friends, I want to make this very clear too. This church, this original church is in Barry Parade, about two kilometers away from us right now. There's a spiritual history of our city that we must tap into. God has gone before. He plants his church. In 20 years, they see a beautiful renewal, 800 people getting added one by one each year, people getting baptized. They partner with the Commonwealth Bible College, which was the Assemblies of God Bible College. They begin to deploy missionaries 
and ministers, young people and old people get sent in. They get trained up in the gospel. They get sent out. This church was a church that began part of the church planning movement of the Assemblies of God in Australia. Mount Gravatt, which is now Hillsong, planted out of this church. Nexus, planted out of this church. Stafford, planted, all these churches, boom, boom, boom. A church planting renewal movement. In the 1970s, my random, randomly, my mum's side of the family comes along to this place, gets caught up in the other end of the charismatic renewal where God is doing a beautiful, amazing work, touching lives, touching people, marriages restored, X, Y, Z. And I say all this to not say that I'm some type of you know, Christian pedigree, because, man, I'm not. It's like I said this morning, I've got, I've got to rephrase it because I didn't say it very well this morning, but it's this. I was a good social worker because I have quite an experience. That's why I could empathize well with people. Just going to leave it there. But the point that I say is this is verse four. One generation commends your works to another and they will tell of your mighty acts. This is what God does through planting churches. And this leads to awe in us. Verse six, they tell of the power of your awesome works and I will proclaim your great deeds. And it's at this point where I just wanna pause for a moment. And I wanna ask you this. Does Psalm 145 ring true in your life? Do you know that you are, in fact, God's beloved son and daughter? Do you know that from one generation to the next that God has his fingerprint on your life? That your story might not be a similar story where you've got all this kind of salvation history and renewal movements and Pentecostal two-steps and a bunch of weird stuff going on. But what I want you to hear is this. God knows you, God loves you, you are a part of his plan. Let no one disqualify you from the service and mission and ministry and favor and partnership with God. We've got a room of probably about, I don't know, take a guess, 160, 170 people here right now. Each person here has the fingerprint of God on their life. And at this moment, God is inviting you into realizing that you form part of his story. You form part of his story. It's not about the people at the front. In a few months, we're about to go and pioneer a church in new grounds where who knows who will come. What I'm believing for is this, that people will understand their destiny, that they will come to a point again of realizing who God is and who God made them to be, and that they will feel ignited that they have something to bring to the mission of God. I could keep going on, but I'll... Pastorally for a moment, I just want to have a time out from Dylan preaching land and just say that. I want you to hear that. You are his beloved. You are called to partner with him. He has the fingerprints all over you and he loves you. They tell of the power of your awesome works and will proclaim your deeds. Tonight, God's inviting you into this space. Would you partner with him? The next thing, the next what? to answer the why of church plan is this. It is a catalyst for renewal. Church planning, discipleship making is a catalyst for renewal and it's a catalyst for renewal in two ways. Firstly, it brings renewal in the church, in the sending church. This is really, really good news. Churches who start new churches often experience renewal because of the church planting process. Did you know that? We're not in business land. We're in kingdom land 
which means this. It means that we send our best, we do our best, we go hard after the things that God has for us because we believe that as we send and as we do things and as we deploy and as we say gospel goodbyes to individuals, God faithfully answers the prayers and brings a whole bunch of new people to be a part of the local church and to send the mission of God forward. It leads to renewal in the church. It awakens the bride to that which we did at first. I did this a couple of weeks ago, but I just feel particular in my heart tonight is this. Some of you here were a part of planting New Life Brisbane, and we want to honour you for what you did with that. But I feel the gentle whisper of the Spirit saying this, come and do it again. What I'm not saying is, come and be with me. What I am saying is, come and take up that mantle again of prayer, intercession, digging wells deep in the Lord. We've got 315 prayer. Man, I challenge you, let's get people there. New Life Brisbane, let's be a people who are awake, who wake up. And I'm not saying you're asleep, but let's, this is a daily battle, right? Let's wake up to the things of God. Let's do what you did at first. Tim Keller says this, a vigorous and continuous approach to church planting is the only way to guarantee an increase in the number of believers and is one of the best ways to renew the whole body of Christ. Church planting. Discipleship making. A study by a guy called Peter Wagner and Ed Stetzer found that congregations that give birth to new congregations grow at nearly twice the rate of churches that do not have a vision to send people, to send their pastors, to send their people, or to give financial resources towards the sending and the mission of the gospel. Something strange, mysterious, and supernatural happens when we choose to say yes to God. When I look back at the past kind of 10 years of my ministry life as a pastor, man, I've moved around some places. I've had beautiful moments with people, but God has always gone before. And God has always been faithful to provide a group of people who we can love and care for and be loved and cared for by. And some of these are in hard times. But the point of this is this. Church planning leads to renewal in the church. And so I put it out to you, beloved New Life Brisbane, Would you join us in praying for what God might want to do in the Moreton Bay region? That's the one part. The second part of this, would you come alive to the the part that you have to play at New Life Brisbane as we seek to be a church that sends people out where the gospel goes forward? Would you pray again? Would you fast again? Would you get challenged with your finance again? The second way that, uh, that, that leads to renewal is that Leads to renewal in the world. If we go back, back a slide. Yeah. Oh, say that one. That's Dylan's issue. So lead to renewal in the world. Church plants reawaken the whole church to people still in need of a relationship with Jesus. And this leads to critical reflection because, because of why? Because new church plants best reach, sorry, new churches best reach new generations, new residents and new people groups. Number one, new generations. There is just... Look, New Life Brisbane is a prophetic ongoing witness that God is reaching out to people who have not been reached in the city and in a regional kind of um, diameter around us, right? We get new people reached for Jesus. Number two, new residents. Particularly where we're from in the Moreton Bay region, it's exploding. There's not enough churches to keep up with the people that are there. Someone I met that the other week was like, Dill, there's already churches here. I'm like, yeah, and we need more. Like, yeah, my church has chairs. Use them. We need more. 
We need more churches. Churches go forth. They open up the well for people to come in. Number three, new people groups. I have just this, uh, this is beautiful vision I get of what would God do as we seek to be a church and to plant churches who reach out to new people groups. Who we have multi-ethnic groups that gather where we contextualize some of the ways that we do church and that we realize that it's not all about the Western way of doing church. But there's a lot of goodness, there's a lot of gospel fruit, which is amazing. I had a conversation with Brett Lush this week, who is a guy um, from New Life Care, beautiful guy. He runs, he runs kind of our, our social transformation, social care arm. And Brett Lush and I at Rabina this week were sitting down and just dreaming about what God would do as we plan a church where we're actually being led by the, the people that are there in terms of socially what they need. Because what the community doesn't need is this. For Dylan Ball in Morton, Morton Bay to go, you know what I think you need? This. God does a work before me. God does a work before you. Part of the thing is to well up and to come into alignment with what God wants to do. And so we were dreaming about what would it look like to do these certain ministries to reach children and out of home care? What would it look like to partner to see DV refuges set up, safety houses set up? What would it look like to do a... Like all these things are up there. And the point is this, it leads to renewal in the church and renewal in the world. Because in six months time, roughly or however long it is, there's going to be a church in this community which looks at the contextual needs of those people and says, you know what, we're going to partner with you about what you want, what you need. So we're going to both have a container, which is a Sunday gathering for a spiritual presence where people encounter the word of God proclaimed, encounter the presence of God. They're also going to encounter those two things as we feed people who need food, as we partner with the oppressed. Very important point. This is why we have a bold vision here at New Life. Tim Keller goes on to say this, and it's good, I like this one. He says this, until pastors and churchgoers are each convinced of their mutual calling and gifting, that they are interdependent partners in evangelism and discipleship, Australia will not be reached for Christ. This was said a few years ago at a City to City, which is a church plant network conference in Melbourne. I'm gonna read it once more. Until pastors and churchgoers are each convinced of their mutual calling and gifting that they are interdependent partners in evangelism and discipleship, Australia will not be reached for Jesus. We need to come alive. You as the people of God, you're gonna send a church this year and you're gonna see many more people come to know Jesus in this place, in New Life Brisbane. But God's saying this, would you be a part of that? And so I wanna now, can I invite everyone to stand? As I was praying about it this afternoon, <clears throat> and I'm gonna get my phone quickly. That was a bit of an old man sound, wasn't it? Um, <clears throat> as I was praying about it this afternoon, I, I, I just felt God say this, that there's a time coming where we need to be reawakened to the goodness of God. And we've, this has kind of been a consistent theme that we've said and we've shared here at New Life, but I really mean this. That, and also invite the van back up. That some of you, God is whispering to you to come back alive to his name. Come back alive to who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. To come back alive, to know Jesus more deeply, to do what you did at first, to love who you loved at first, and to expand your vision of what the kingdom of God can do in your life. The second thing is this. From generation to generation, God does a work in every generation. And I feel tonight that some of you might 
be struggling with particularly relationships with parents. And so as the band begins to play now, I, I got this scripture today, which, which I loved. And it's Malachi 4, 6. It says this. God will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. And I believe one of the ways God does that is through church planting and discipleship making and testifying to the goodness of Jesus. So the encouragement tonight is this. You are not disqualified from the mission of God. Some of you have had a fairly lengthy season and have felt that you are disqualified. And beyond kind of a sermon on church planning or a sermon on discipleship, where I really want to learn it, land tonight is this. I want you to hear this as a call to be His beloved again. To know that you are the apple of His eye. Particularly again, I want to say this to some of you who pioneered this community. You are His beloved but the call is this, to do what you did at first. So I want to now, if you just want to extend your hands out in front of you, just as a, as a response to maybe what God's saying to you, and I just want to pray for us. So Holy Spirit, we ask in this moment that you would increase your presence here. Just come with your peace in this moment, Lord. take hold of in this moment, Lord, that we are your beloved. We're your sons and daughters. Your favour rests on us, Lord. Lord, we love that there's just this sense of, that we are, we are the head and not the tail, as cringy as that sounds. That is our reality, Lord. That you have called us out as a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood, Lord, a holy nation called to declare the excellencies of you who's taken us from darkness and placed us into light. And in this moment, Lord, I want to just lift up each individual that's in this room right now and pray this, Lord, that each individual would know their their belovedness of you. And secondly, that they would know that you are good and that you have something in their lives, Lord, that from one generation to the next, they will be a witness of who you are and that they do not know, Lord, what it is that you're going to call them to do. So Lord, in this moment, I want to pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and administer healing, Lord? I wonder in this moment if God's even beginning to just bring to mind a broken relationship which you feel is holding you back in your apprenticeship to Jesus. Maybe there's hurt. Maybe there's pain. Maybe you haven't seen God come through on the promises yet that you felt and heard Him clearly say. And right now in Jesus' name, I just declare healing and freedom and permission for you to ask big things of God again. Because it's not only about what we go and what we kind of plant and pioneer moving forward. It's about looking back at what God has done in the generations. And part of that, I believe that tonight that some people need healing around some past generational hurt that maybe is stopping you from moving forward in the things of God in your life. And so I'm going to pray to finish in one second. But what I want to say is this, there's going to be a team of prayer, um, prayer leaders who are going to be up the front. They're going to be um, to my left and right and, and right here with Pastor Alex and I. And I want to encourage you that if you need to do business with God tonight, if, and if you want someone to pray for you, if there's something that's hurting you, if there's something in your life that is 
welling up in this moment. Would you come down for prayer? Come down and get free tonight. We would love to even just speak Psalm 145 over you. That God is faithful and that you, we, we will join in agreement with you that He will declare and use you to declare from one generation to another the works of His hand, the blessings that He has for you. And that through doing so, you would experience freedom and wholeness. So Holy Spirit, as we finish now, we invite your presence more, Lord, to just increase in this room in this moment. Lord, I ask that even in this moment, you would be giving individuals just that sense in which, and I would encourage you now, come up. There will be people who will pray for you here. That you would give them strength and boldness and an expectation, Lord, that God, you can do something beautiful in this moment to set them on fire for discipleship and the kingdom of God. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. And we're going to have people at the back as well. Let's worship. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you would like prayer, you can contact us at church.nu or through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray you have a great week. Be blessed.